Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, joined, as always, during football season by my main man, Dave Simone. And uh, we've got a super special guest this week on the podcast. He was a very popular man on Saturday night in Oxford. We are joined by the Cincinnati Bearcat legend and voice of the color commentary on the radio broadcast, one Mr. Jim Kelly. Jim, welcome in. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm good. Thank you guys for having me tonight. No problem at all. And we thought this would be a fun one to have you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the evidence here. And uh, <laughs> I, I know our, our fans have loved this. Uh, everybody has enjoyed the audio. So I'm going to play it one more time. Everybody uh, enjoy one more time as Malik Clemens gives the Bearcats the lead on Saturday night in Oxford. Down in seven for the Red Hawks with a three-point lead. Game on the line on this play. Ragland waits for the shotgun snap, extends the hands, catches the ball. He's looking to throw from the one. His pass. Jim, that has to be in those moments. You've had a couple of them in your in your time calling Bearcats games. You just kind of lose your mind. You you, you go out of body. Well, and, and that's a that's a good way of explaining it. And um, first of all, let me compliment Dan Horde on keeping things together there as I was going crazy. And um, he he not only laid out you know the one play, he laid out the three play or the three plays that led up to that situation, and that just I mean, for Bearcat fans, you should understand what a great – and Bengal fans, you should understand what a great play-by-play guy you have. This guy's very special. He was a pro during that. And I wasn't. Man, that's all <laughs> right. I was, one hell of a, I was one hell of a fan. And I will, I will tell you that you're right, Chad. I have, um, I, I've done that a few times, but I will say this. The times I've done it, it's been – it's been times when um, it was kind of a defining moment for a coach's program, or I, I won't say the program because the program, you know, the program is larger than any one coach. But there were times I did that in the uh, – there was a time I did that in the Mark D'Antonio era. There was a time I did that in Brian Kelly era. There's a time I did that in the Butch Jones era and even the Tommy Tuberville era. But – what it represents is kind of a turning point in my opinion of when that coach was able to take control of that program and make it a program that, um, that I believe, you know, is is going to, um, you know, be there for a while. And, you know, who knows how long Luke Fickle and the staff will be there. Um, you know, huge success, obviously maybe he won't be there all that long. Um, but at the same time, you know, for the, two, three, four years that we have him, let's enjoy it. And what I saw that night was um, that, that was an incredible moment. I didn't see it coming. You know, so good example, um, you might say, what's the biggest moment I've seen in uh, Bearcat football history? Easy, well, right? clearly the, the Tony Pike to Armand Bins um, pass at Pittsburgh that, you know, the Bearcats were 12-0. and I didn't say a word during that one. But you know why? Because I expect it. Um, I really saw that coming, and I felt like, um, you know, hey, it was a great moment, but, you know what, we had passed that point, and I expected it. In this case, I didn't see this coming. You know, I don't think anybody did. 
And it was it was a it was a great moment, and um, you know, at this point, a defining moment for this staff. Yeah, and it's one of those things, Jim, where they score the touchdown, they get the two point conversion to cut it to within three. Things had been pretty dreadful throughout the game to that point. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot to feel good about. They cut it to three. You're like, okay, at least it's not going to look, you know, like they laid an egg. It's not going to be terrible. Then, like you said, the, the punt or the, the kickoff that they run out to the two. And then the timeout where he inexplicably doesn't signal for timeout. And you start thinking, oh, my God, what what is happening? And it was like the, the rush of emotion happened so fast, there was almost nothing you could do to control it. Yeah, no, it, it, and it's still in my mind foggy on what happened because it happened so quick. You're absolutely right. Um, so here's the thing to remember is their norm, their number one kick guy got hurt right. during the game. So they put this young freshman back there and he, you know, walked back, tried to catch the ball. He muffed it. It went into the end zone. And as a, most of the freshmen in the, in, in college football would think, okay, I touched the ball. It went in the end zone. I got to run it out. Well, you know, that was not what he had to do. If he downs it in the end zone, it goes to the 25, but he opts to run it out. It gets to the five. They gain three yards on first down. They they let the clock run down those 39 seconds for those 40 seconds and call a timeout with one. He runs it again, um, opts to do the same thing, but forgets to t- call a timeout. They get hit with a five-yard delay of game penalty. It goes back to third and seven. They opt to throw the ball, and it's picked off for a touchdown. I, I did not see any of that coming, and um, – you know what? I mean, you, you might say Miami lost that, but at the same time, I look at the way the Cincinnati look, – let's talk about that last drive where the Cincinnati offense did finally show themselves, you know, where Hayden Moore was able to lead them down the field. And um, Khalil Lewis, who had a, got benched, quite honestly, uh, earlier in the game for dropping passes, was able to, I think, catch five passes, one for the 20-yard touchdown and one for the two-point conversion. Um, you know, they came around. And now, that doesn't mean should they deserve to win that football game because of that drive? Absolutely not. And did they get a little bit lucky because of the, some of the things that happened to Miami? Yes. But at the same time, they never gave up. And, and, and in my mind, you know, that's kind of one of those defining moments and shows what this team's all about. And I think everybody that's known Luke Fickle and, you know, and his staff and, and seen this team, you know, through – uh, you know, from higher ground and even in the spring, the thought that, you know what, these guys aren't going to give up, and boy, they showed it that time. Well, and, and that's one thing that Luke really has, has preached. You've been there just about as much as anybody through through spring football and through uh, all the stuff at higher ground. He, he talks a lot about that. He talks a lot about competing all the way to the end of practice and, and, and coming out every day and competing every day because it means something. And it almost, you're right, it almost felt like this was a manifestation or it was proof to those guys that what he had been talking about since the day he got the job was coming to fruition, was happening in front of them uh, in real time. Well, you know what? If you didn't believe before Saturday, you believe now. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you know and, you, and you have to, and that's part of it. Um, you know, yeah, part of it's about recruiting, part of it's about talent, part of it's about, part of it's about you know, off, uh, you know, off-season workouts, what you do in the weight room, what you do, you know, to, to make yourself better. But so much of it is believing in yourself and 
that's the part I like about this team right now. You know, yeah, they don't have the greatest talent in the world, and they're not going to be a twenty uh, top 25 team here in the next couple of weeks. Now, if they run the table and, you know, they really start hitting their groove, then maybe, you know, if they're, if they're sitting here, you know, at 8-1, and 8-2, yeah, maybe so. They get some votes. But right now they're not going to be that way. They just – the only thing they have to, to go on is, you know, what they did this Saturday, maybe what they can do at Navy – um, you know, and, and moving forward, that they play the best that they can. So, and that's that's all you can do right now, Dave. Yeah, I wanted to ask you just from the standpoint of the first three games, and then you've seen a lot of you know practice from the end of the last year until now. What do you think are you know the main reasons that this offense? For whatever reason, has it really been able to get on track yet in any of the three games? Well, I, that's a good question. Um, I wish we could pinpoint it to one thing. I mean, I, I don't think um, they're, you know, and this is no disrespect to anybody that's there. I don't think the personnel's great. You know, um, I, I think their offensive line is is, is clearly good um, at 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 the you know the first five maybe the first six, maybe the first seven. They could use a little bit more depth there. Quarterback's been, I, I won't say uh, great, but inconsistent. And, um, you know, I, I, mean, I, 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 I like Hayden Moore a lot, and I think he does a lot of good things, and he proved that down the stretch in Miami on Saturday night. Um, Receiver-wise, certainly three deep. You know, you'd have to like, you know, Khalil Lewis. You'd have to like uh, Geddes. You'd have to like, um, um, you know, uh, yeah, Devin Gray, and then but then again, Devin Gray, uncharacteristically, you know, had an 86-yard touchdown pass where he could have walked into the end zone and dropped it. So, you know, now that being said, this is not a knock on any of the three of those guys. They're all very capable. And so here's here's the thing: Devin Gray gets benched in that game earlier. Who was our star of the game on um, on our radio broadcast? Devin Gray, because he caught seven passes, six of them down the stretch. That you know, Lewis, one Lewis again you mean. for a twenty-yard to uh, Lewis. I'm sorry, that not Devin Gray. Yeah, uh, Khalil Lewis. So he's our star of the game. We had to do that because he, he dropped a few passes. He got benched. He comes back into the game, catches seven passes down the stretch, six of them in uh, five of them in one drive, which included a twenty-yard touchdown reception and a uh, you know and, and the two the two-point conversion, which I will say. I don't know that I've seen a better drawn-up play for a two-point conversion in a long time than that play. So, you know, um, excellent done. Excellent done. Now, you also got Mike Boone hurt, but the two young guys, um, you know, Michael Warren and uh, Jared Dokes, wonderful job running the football. I thought they did a great job. I think they're going to be fun to watch. I wouldn't have a problem, you know. I, I mean, I hope Mike Boone's fine and I – as I understand, and talking to Coach Fickle on uh, Tuesday at his press conference, he should, you know, he should be fine and back in there. But I think they've got three uh, running backs that are very, very capable. Would you like to see him maybe emphasize that more? Because that is where maybe the strength, the strength of the offense is, is at running back. Well, I, I would, and I thought that was going to be the case preseason. Um, I'm not a big proponent on three running backs being in there all the time, and I know you hear that a lot these days, both at the college level and I know here in Cincinnati with the Bengals with, you know, with their three running backs that, you know, there's a lot of controversy, particularly since the Bengals are struggling on offense as well. 
that they don't want all three running backs in there. But that being said, um, I would love to see Cincinnati run the ball more. And I looked at, um, you know, and I'm, and I'm moving a game ahead, and not that I'm overlooking Navy by any means because I'm not. They're, they're going to be very, very tough to beat. But if you look at what Marshall's given up on the ground, um, I think Cincinnati's going to be able to run the football against them now. They should be able to do that a little bit against Navy, but Navy has better athletes now and defense than they had like five years ago. So I would love to see uh, off all those running backs, and whether it's Mike Boone and Jared Dokes or whether it's Mike Boone and Michael Warren or Jared Dokes and Michael Warren, I'd love to see two running backs you know, run like they did against Miami for 150 yards or 180 yards, maybe even 200 yards. That would be fabulous. Dave? Defensively, I think we had a somewhat of a idea that that unit would be the one probably carrying the offense a little bit at the beginning of the season. But at least to me, I think they maybe even exceeded expectations, and and even so on the defensive line, where we knew there were a lot of guys coming back, but very few of them had really shown us, you know, that they were capable of making a lot of plays. What is your assessment of the unit as a whole and maybe a couple guys that stood out to you throughout the first three games well there's no question about it dave i i mean i if i look back and i and i say what did what did the old staff leave these guys um defensive lineman is the uh the area that would be number one so um you know i i think they've done a great job and i think they can only get better i thought al washington's done a great job with that that defensive line and if you look at you know, I mean, we knew about Broughton. We knew about, you know, Kevin Muhan, who, you know, I mean, and, and I realize sometimes these guys are up, sometimes they're down, you know, and uh, they they really played well. You know, I think Brian Wright's been a uh, – I look at what he did that in the in the Austin T game. He saved a touchdown, you know. He jumped up, tapped the ball, caught it, caught it. He's had a couple of other plays. So I mean I th- I think they're they're fine there and no question that defensively, um, you know this is the better side of the football right now. They are the ones keeping them in the game. I thought you know if you look at what they did at Michigan, they they kept you know the Bearcat offense even though it was moving the ball not much. They kept they kept the Bearcats in the game, um, and it's not just the D line. I mean I think the linebackers are adequate. It's a shame that Perry Young is going to miss the first half this week because of the targeting call. But, I mean, I think when I watched it again, I think it was a legitimate call, so I get it. Um, but at the same time, you know, what Jalen Miner has been able to do is phenomenal. That The younger guys have played well. The secondaries played, uh, I thought, well, is, you know, also. So, I mean, I think, I think their defense is fine. Um, I like what they're doing. And the fact of the matter is that if the defense can keep them in the game, the offense can only get better down the road. Um, and, and I asked Coach this the other day. I said, do you feel that last drive where the Bearcats were able to score the touchdown and the two-point conversion, do you think that was more representative of your offense than, um, you know, than everything else earlier in the Miami game? And he said, I, he, he said that he thought they, come to, they came to age at that particular point in time. Now, that's yet to be determined. They're going to have to do that in a lot more um, series and a lot more drives than they did in the Miami game because there was times they were 
You know, they were not very good there. And, you know, so I think, I think we need more consistency on offense, but I think the defense can certainly keep you in games. Jim, you've been around a lot of assistant coaches, probably hundreds of assistant coaches uh, that have come through this program over the years. Some you just get a different feel about. I kind of had that feel with Al Washington when he got here. Did, did you have that a similar feel when you met and, and got to know him a little bit? And, and does that make it, you know, maybe not as much of a surprise that his unit is really starting to come together and you know, multiple different guys are starting to flash for him? I have to tell you, Chad, I would agree with you 100%. So, so you, you, you see these guys for the first time, and you see them on the field, and you see how they do things. And you go, you know what, I'm impressed with that guy. But you have to wait till the games get going, and you have to see how those guys perform. So you just named it. I mean, um, Al Washington, uh, Marcus Freeman, and, and, and even even the, the, the two coaches in the secondary, I think that, that defense is playing very, very well. Um, is it all coaching? No. Part of it's talent. Part of it's the guys. But in my opinion, what they've been able to do is take the guys that they have, mold them into what they want to do, and then figure out exactly how they want to use them and, and, and what's going to be the best. And so, yeah, I mean, I have to tell you, along the way, I've seen a lot of good ones, and I've seen other ones that are equally as good, but these guys are as good as any. Dave? Yeah, I wanted to – Stay on the Miami game, but a little bit different question with just in regards to the series as a whole. Just from your opinion, what did you think of the new format uh, that'll be, I guess, played out for the next several years with a few of the games moving to Paul Brown Stadium? Right. Well, I kind of tried to, to judge what how Luke Fickle felt about it, and he um, – I think he did a good job of being noncommittal on it. Um, so here's the way I look at it. Um, if we went with the old school way, it was, you know, one game here, one game there. Okay. And I don't know how he feels about a neutral field and if it gives him an advantage, um, being the fact that it's in Cincinnati, not in Oxford, but it's Paul Brown Stadium versus Nipper. Um, that being said, I, I think, he would rather, you know, here we go, every three years be at Paul Brown versus, you know, another game at, at Jaeger Stadium versus, my, you know, versus uh, Nippert. So you got Nippert, you got, uh, you know, got Jaeger, you got Paul Brown, and I think it's only three up to 12 years. But that being said, um, I, think, I think it's okay. I, I think I, I like the idea what they're trying to do, you know, which is, um, try to try to represent the entire area. So, you know, whether you're a Miami fan, whether you're a Cincinnati fan, hey, come on down to Paul Brown Stadium, watch the Cincinnati-Miami game every three years. Um, now, if I'm a head coach, do I want to give up Nippert Stadium for a game? Um, probably not. But at the same time, I'd, I'd rather give up a, a game at Nippert Stadium than play every other year at Yeager Stadium. So, I mean, I, I think it's an advantage to Cincinnati, no doubt. And, you know, here's the thing. Um, I, I think, you know, Miami felt, no question about it, if you looked at the shirts that they were wearing pregame. They the greased the goalposts. Did you know that? Yeah, they greased the goalposts. greased post. the goalposts. Yeah, post. I mean, that tells you something right there. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if you guys saw it online. There's, there's social media had a, a T-shirt that the team was going to get that 
said we got the we got the bell back and it actually had the date on it you know whatever yeah. uh september 16th you know those those go unused I, by the way if you can anybody wants to sell me one or two i would buy them um <laughs> yeah, it would look get, great get on line. a frame in my basement um you know, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but I do. You could make that a, that would be a sweet um, interactive display. You put the the a little button, you press the button, you get you and Dan Horde on the call with the shirt right there. I like that idea. <laughs> Can we make that happen? But that being said, they have to think this is their best year. So you know, Gus Ragland's got a, he's a senior next year. The game's in Cincinnati. You know, so let's just assume that it's going to be tough for Miami to win. So I'll make a 13 in a row. And then beyond that, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, good friend of mine, Dana Bible, who's uh, been in college coaching and NFL coaching forever, he, he, he loves Gus Raglan. And uh, Gus's dad, Dan, and I are, um, you know, we played softball together for years, and he was a coach at Bowler. Um, and, and I know him well, and I love Gus Raglan to death. But beyond Gus Raglan, I don't know what's going to happen to Miami, you know. I mean, hopefully – Quite honestly, I want them to get better. I really do, um, because this game needs to be better like it was this year. Um, but, I, I, you know, if this game goes to, you know, 15-0 and 0, or 15, 15 wins in a row for Cincinnati or 13 or 14 or 15, whatever, that could happen right now. Um, and, you know, that'll, that'll even the series up. And I can remember back when I first started broadcasting, they were 12, 13, 14 games ahead. And, you know, Cincinnati is, is – is almost caught up, and and not that I'm opposed to that. I don't I don't mean it that way, but you want this game to be competitive, and it, it clearly was this year. It was one heck of a football game, but there's been years in the past, and the Tupperville years, um, it was close, and you know, uh, you know, in in that particular case, maybe maybe because it shouldn't have been, but there were years, you know, particularly through the Brian Kelly years where it was so. I don't know. I, I want the game to continue. I, I, I get what they're trying to do with it to create excitement about it. And I, and I do think that, you know, the game needs to be around for, you know, for many more years. And, heck, I'll be there. I mean, I'll, I'll see everyone there is as long as, as, long as I'm alive. I, I will tell you, um, I am a very, very big fan of the young man from Covington Catholic, A.J. Mayer, that they have coming in at quarterback. Uh, yep. I know he was he was really high on Cincinnati's board. He was obviously not as high as Ben Bryant, uh, who they got, who was their you know their number one target at the time at quarterback. I would have been more than satisfied had Cincinnati gone down to AJ Mayer on their board. Um, and and I think that he is going to be a guy he'll get next year behind Gus Raglan. I would not be shocked at all if as a redshirt freshman AJ Mayer is their quarterback for the next four years because. That kid has been really, really impressive. Well, I've not seen him play. That being said, um, I know his father real well. I know his grandfather very well. Um, they lived next door to my in-laws when I was, um, you know, forever. And um, I, his, his dad, Andy, was one hell of an athlete, played baseball at Oklahoma State. Yep. Um, so I am not shocked. I am not shocked by that. And I look forward to you know, that, that's the neat thing about what I do. I get to see something like that happen. I get to see Gus Ragland play, where I knew his dad only, you know. Yeah. I get to see uh, Mayer play. His first name, A.J., yeah, you said? AJ. Yeah, I get to see him play, where I knew his Honestly, this is, this is no exaggeration. Years ago, 
his dad, who lived, who was, you know, like I saw at 14, 16, 18 years old, living next to my in-laws, I said, I want to be that guy's agent. He's the best athlete I've ever seen. You know, so I'm guessing that this kid is chiseled like his, his dad. Yeah. And he's just he's just very very good, so I'm looking forward to seeing that too. So yeah, that, that's great. I, 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 Cincinnati recruited AJ. They, he was on campus at, at, in yeah. the spring. Well, Andy Mayer was one heck of an athlete, um, and and you know I look forward to seeing AJ play. See the AJ Mayer Ben Bryant era of this series is coming, and I think it's going to be very exciting because I'm very high on both kids. Uh, after seeing them both throw and getting to see their games. So. Well, I mean, that, that's the excitement about this. You know, that's the excitement about this game in the future. I'm looking forward to seeing both those kids play. So, I can't uh, wait. Before we let you go, Navy. Um, the triple <laughs> option, it, it's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, what do you know so far, and, and how do you think the Bearcats defense can hold up? Well, here's here's the thing I know about it is that um, – I don't know how they're going to react to that, but the one thing I will say, the one thing I will say is that they they tend to um, I, I would say the Bearcat defense, even even the way they play right now, not against that type of offense, they play discipline. So let, let's talk about the Raglan situation again. He's a guy that if you look at go back to Austin P. and I and my apologies, I don't remember the young man's name. It was a quarterback, and, and he was a good quarterback, not a great one. But when he scrambled up the middle, he created all kinds of havoc. Well, Gus Ragland could have done the same thing. Um, it, they kept him in their sights, so they played their they played their their read zones, and they kept him inside. You know, so when when you go back and you look at Gus Ragland from week to week at the end of this year, you're going to see that he just killed people like. I don't know, whatever. I don't even know who they play, but Ohio U, um, you know, Toledo, Northern Illinois, he's going to have games where he just torched them. And when you go back and you look at the Cincinnati game, you're going to see that they kept him in check, both running and passing. That being said, I think the people we talked about earlier, that defensive staff, whether it's Al Washington, whether it's, you know, Marcus Freeman, whether it's uh, Tanunu in the second secondary, these guys are doing a good job of keeping these guys in check. And um, I, I think, you know, that being said, you know, it's kind of a roundabout way of me saying I don't know what they can do to stop Navy because it's a different offense. But I think you're going to see them do better against Navy than we maybe suspect here early in the, uh, early in the week. All right, Jim. Well, our members wanted you to know they had your back with the Miami uh, faithful being upset in the press box. They said they you know, loved it. They, they, yeah. they, and they appreciated you for having the same level of enjoyment and excitement that they did. Well, thank you. That, that's good to know. I, 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 like I said, I'm not going to apologize um, for the people in the press box. I, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'll scream louder next time. <laughs> um, you know what? That was a great win. That was a, it was a huge win. It really was. And, and that's what it was all about. So. It was about the turning of a program very early in a program. But um, let's hope that, um, you know, we, we all like the staff, and let's hope that things go well for them for the next, you know, how many ever years they're here. And uh, let's hope particularly this year goes, uh, goes well the rest of the year. Jim, when I, when I had Dan Hort on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, I called him a UC legend, and he scoffed at the notion. And, and I want your opinion. Dan Hort, 
University of Cincinnati legend? Yes. Absolutely. Um, so here's the deal. Um, yeah, I, I understand he, it, you know, originally was put in a situation by a network, in this case Fox 19, where he got the you know UC, but then over a period of time, um, you know, through his, his changing jobs, he became, he was hired by the Bengals and then, of course, by the University of Cincinnati. I cannot tell you how much of a legend he is. Um, he, he, you know, I, I don't think anybody would dispute this. He truly does bleed red and black. And he's not a Bearcat. He, you know, he's a Syracuse guy. But at the same time, he's been down here so long. He worked part of the time for Fox 19 when he was doing UC basketball on television. And he moved over to radio. And you know what? There's not a bigger bigger fan in the world. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I know he would say the same about me. He'd say, well, you're bigger. And I'd say, okay, you know what? We're equal. A guy like that who works this, works this much time in this program, he, he deserves to be called a legend. He is truly a legend. I couldn't agree more. And it's uh, yep. having, having the two of you on the air is a pleasure for Bearcat football fans and the, uh, the excitement that shines through in moments uh, like that Miami game, like the Rutgers game in the Mark D'Antonio era, like Pike to Benz, uh, you guys exemplify it and you, and you do a wonderful job expressing uh, what Bearcat fans are feeling. So everybody wants you to know that they appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been great having you. Well, thanks, Chad. I, I, I hope that when I go through what I did Saturday night that I'm just doing exactly what everybody's doing at home. Uh, it's what I was doing. Dave yeah. was in the car. He left. Dave left after the field goal. Well, you can there was a lot of people that gave like. up on that one. And quite honestly, <laughs> I, was, I was there. And I, as I said earlier, I did not see that coming. But. You know, as a credit to Luke Fickle and his and his staff and his players, particularly, particularly his players, um, they they stayed with it and they were phenomenal. And you know what? They handled it well too. They handled it with class. The Miami, you know, I have to give Miami staff and players uh, credit as well. You know, that would have been one to be very bitter. And I don't know what they're saying behind the scenes. I really don't. Um, and I don't know what Chuck Martin's saying behind the scenes, but. Um, there, there was, that was one of the, uh, I, I don't know. I've, I've been through a lot. It was one of the most unbelievable things I've been through. Chuck Martin is actually in his mirror practicing his timeout signal. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <laughs> he might be, and I can, I can do it for him. If he's <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jim. Have All a right. great call Thank on you Saturday guys. from uh, Enjoy the Naval Academy. I hear it's a I will. Experience. It's a wonderful place up there in Annapolis. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thanks a lot. See you guys. As Thanks always, so much. That All is right. Jim Kelly, the legendary Cincinnati color commentator on the radio. Him and Dan Horde are the voice of the Bearcats through and through. And uh, uh, much thanks to him for coming on and joining us, Dave. Uh, always good to get his perspective. And, and you can tell he doesn't want to rub it in a little bit, but he loved every second of that. Oh, of course he did, and I I can't blame him. And and that that type of a game coming from someone who you know thought that maybe that was something that they'd like to do at some point in their life just tells me why I never could do it because I would get fired so fast <laughs> for 
for cussing and screaming. I mean, like imagine if you're imagine if you're in like the national championship game in basketball, like when Duke played Gordon or Duke played Butler, and if Gordon Hayward shot from half court goes in, like there's no way I could have not reacted with like a you know holy effing shit like. You know, and it would have been the end of my broadcasting career forever. I don't know how these guys can keep it together when when just craziness happens like that. Yeah. All right, let's go over Navy real quick before we get out of here. Uh, went a little bit, little bit longer with Jim than we had anticipated. Offensively, Zach Abbey's the quarterback. Um, he is not as dynamic as their previous quarterback, but still – uh, 343 yards on 61 carries so far this year, 5.6 yards an attempt. He's got two touchdowns. He's got a long of 54 yards. He doesn't throw much. He has thrown seven times. Uh, he's attempted 22 passes. He's been intercepted twice. He's completed seven. But of the seven he's completed, an average of 31.8 yards. Yeah, it's, no- it, it's all or nothing. 34.6 yards, yeah. It's all or nothing when they throw the ball. I mean, I think they – their last game against Tulane, I think that one guy had one catch, seventy-nine yards, touchdown, something like something crazy like that. Yeah, yeah, like you said. I mean, he's not any. Let's let's not mince words. Not anywhere near what Keenan Reynolds was. Um, you know, the first game, I think they gave it to Florida Atlantic pretty good, and then the second game they played Tulane. I think they won twenty-three twenty-one, but much closer game. Uh, Tulane's getting better, but I don't think they're... Tulane is much improved, I think. I, no, I agree, but I still don't think they're, you know, they're not to that quite to that level yet. So I'm not, and then obviously they didn't play, maybe didn't play last week. So I'm not entirely sure what to to take from them. I know Coach Fickle talked about their defense getting uh, more speed since maybe the last time. I remember when Ohio State played them a few years ago at the Ravens Stadium. It was a pretty close game uh, till the end. But I think this is a game where, you know, we talked about running the ball more. You're always going to have bigger players than Navy just because of their their requirements. So I, I'm wondering if maybe the the offensive line, if the if the goal is maybe to run the ball more in this game as well. I personally would like to see that a little bit more. I know more actually statistically, if you take out the one miscommunication or whatever you want to call it down in the red zone had a pretty good second half against Miami. It was 14 for 21. Um, they had the two, two drives over 60 yards that obviously didn't end up in any points. And then not the, the touchdown drive. So things started to click. Well, the one was a, a little bit in the second. Oh, field. Okay. Yeah, you're right. So the things started to click a little bit more in the second half. So I'm hopeful that it's just kind of a, ironing out of things and it's it's just been like a really weird execution wise where the receivers have struggled to get open and when they do get open they drop the ball I mean this is the second week in a row where I can count at least five or six drops that are just straight up drops I mean DBs weren't breaking on the ball um you know things like that but then again and something that I don't like is he's they're having him throw a lot of full field throws where he's on one hash and he's throwing like a 10 yard out route on the total opposite sideline. I know JJ Pinkney had a catch that looked I like it was, was going to be an pick for sure. 
going to be an interception. There was another one on the UC side of the field that the guy basically just dropped. Um, so it's some weird throws that I don't know if I would be still calling, you know, going into game four. But I definitely think this, you know, they have, I mean, I think the spread's a little high. I know we don't need to get into that. But defensively, the game, this is all about Jalen Miner and what in the triple option is called the B-back, which is basically the fullback. Everything that that type of an offense does starts with that position. If you watch the Tennessee Georgia Tech game, their fullback had a big game until he got hurt for a little bit and they slowed down offensively a little bit. Everything what they do with the motion, with the quarterback counters where they'll start to go one direction and then cut back the other direction, everything feeds off of what that fullback does. So if Jalen Miner, I mean, in the perfect game, he's going to have between 20 and 30 tackles. And that's not an exaggeration. Like, if he does that, if he has 15, 20 tackles, that means that they're probably slowing down the fullback a little bit. If he doesn't, they're just going to keep giving the dive to the fullback because he's getting five, six, seven, eight yards a pop. And then what they'll do is they'll fake it to the fullback and the quarterback will just follow the fullback right into the hole because everyone will tackle the fullback and the quarterback can run for, you know, however many more yards. So that's really the the spot to watch if we're going to have success defensively. All right, prediction. Who you got? I don't. I don't know. I I feel like the offense has to get on track a little bit this game. Um, you know, if Mike Boone's back, that obviously helps. I think. You know, for as much as we like to to rip on Miami, they do have a pretty good defense for the second year in a row. Right now, they're their top 30 defensively, uh, and the running backs were able to have some success. So I would like to think we can continue with that trend. I would like to think that the receivers are going to get open and catch the ball. <laughs> um, you know, I would like to think that maybe Hayden Moore won't block in on some of his receivers as much as he's as he's done and cuts down on his turnovers. Um, going up against that offense for the first time, I don't care what anyone says as far as, oh, we, we did extra periods on it in the summer. and It doesn't matter until you actually play it because your offense can't come close to replicating what they do. It's not like running the spread and putting some fast guy at quarterback to replicate a Lamar Jackson or a Greg Ward. I mean, most of your players have never run this, so them running it offensively, your scout team, is running it at a speed that is nowhere near what Navy will run it at. So taking that into consideration, you know, I just I still have to give them the edge a little bit, but I would not be surprised at all if UC goes in there and wins. I think a lot can be built off of the Miami game and just the whole staying with it and buying in. And, and now there's some tangible, you know, things that, the coaches staff can say to the players and show to the players of this is why we did all this stuff. And because we did all this stuff, that's why you guys came back and won. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Um, I, 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 I think Cincinnati wins. 
I wouldn't. I mean, there's no part of me that would be surprised if that happened. I just have a feeling that we're going to start to see that offense continue to come together. I think they they maybe found something with turning up the tempo a little bit. Uh, if they're they're struggling, if they're starting to get in a funk, I think that worked for them. I think you know, hopefully that is something that that they can continue to use. Um, I don't know why. I think that is definitely it's definitely something I maybe meant to ask him about. I don't know if he would have delved into it too much, but it does seem to fit Hayden Moore's style of play better to be not necessarily breakneck speed, but a, a, a little bit faster uh, tempo than what we maybe saw in the first two games and then in the first half of the yeah. Miami game. Now, I don't know if they were just doing that out of necessity. They or probably if that's were. something we're going to see more often. I'm saying they probably were doing that out of necessity. I would like to see them do that out of scheme. Right. I, w- I would, too. I think, you know, I think it bodes well, especially running out of that yeah. with the type of backs that they have. I mean, they don't really have any it's, – it's weird to say in College Football 2017, they don't really have any game breakers, whether it's at wide receiver or running back. Like, true guys where you're just giving the ball and, like, they can bust an 85-yard play at any moment. So maybe you go a little bit faster, but you still focus on the running game, and you wear the maybe you wear the defense down a little bit. I think that's something I was looking for a little bit more in the second half of the Miami game, where it did look like they were starting to wear down, and we would break a longer run, and then instead of just pounding it right at them again, you know we you know throw a pass or do something different. I, I'd like to see a little bit more of running out of the the speed hurry up offense. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Mainly because then you would stop texting me about it every 15 minutes. Well, <laughs> the game was, sorry, at that point the game was pretty damn boring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave. Uh, well, we do have a little bit of basketball to talk about. I think we've covered it mainly uh, since our last podcast uh, with the Logan Johnson commitment. Um I think it's an excellent get for what Cincinnati is looking for at point guard, the style that they want to continue to build upon uh, going forward. They found a young man that was uh, looking for a situation where he could come in and sit behind two veteran starters, not maybe looking for it, but accepting of it. Uh, two veteran guys, two seniors that are going to be the point guards when he comes in as a freshman and then have his chance to take over the program uh, as a sophomore. I, I think for what they set out to do, Throughout the spring and the summer, which was get their eyes on as many point guards as humanly possible, they ended up going out to the, to San Francisco and getting a guy that I think is a Bearcat and I think is a great fit. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to Darren Savino for unearthing that situation and, and putting Cincinnati in that position and for Mick Cronin for closing it because I think we're going to be very happy with Logan Johnson as a Bearcat over the next couple of years. He definitely seems to – to be that kind of player, I, I appreciate that he also appears to be a, a fantastic dancer uh, from what I from what I've seen on the Twitter. So you know, hopefully on the sideline and in the game, he can you know liven up the crowd and and what have you. Where do you think they go? Uh, will this be the only player that probably signs in the was it the November signing period, or do you think they'll be um, they'll try to get some other guys in for official visits during? 
football games and maybe add another player or two. I know the staff has been on the road digging some more in 2018. I don't know that I'm at the point that I'm going to say anybody is going to visit yet um, because we're also getting to a point where once you get into October, basketball practices start for all the high schools around the right. country. Uh, official visits become much tougher. Um, they're, they're kind of running out of time in that window. Um, I think if they, you know, in a perfect world, they, they could find one more. I think they would love to add one more. I know they really would love to have added Nate Hinton as a combo guard, uh, but he wanted to be a point guard and felt that Houston was the place for him to uh, accomplish that goal. Um, he, can, he can get all Rob Gray's shots next year. Well, they've got a dude coming in that's going to get all of Rob Gray's shots next year. His name's Dijon Giroux. Oh, oh they do. Okay. Dijon. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's where uh, the UMass transfer, right? Yeah, and I freaking yeah. love that kid. So I've been a big fan of Dijon Giroux since he was like a junior in high school. Um, so he's going into a tough situation, but more power to him. Nate Hinton was a great kid, great family. Uh, really enjoyed getting to know them a little bit when they were in town on their visit. Um, I wish him the best, uh, other than the twice a year that they're going to play the Bearcats. Maybe three times if you get them in the conference tournament. But um, we'll see where they go from there. I, I'm not sure at this point. It's going to be an interesting couple weeks to see if they can set something up for that Marshall game coming up. There's a couple home games coming up in October um, that, that maybe they can get a guy in here and, and see if they can get somebody closed uh, to get one other added. But I also wouldn't be shocked to see – play it out, maybe go the JUCO route for a big, or maybe play the transfer market heavy because you're already looking at a roster that's too deep at every position for 2018-19, and you've added a third point guard into that mix. So you've got 11 guys already. Um, It's going to be an interesting uh, situation to watch develop as uh, as time goes on. So um, we'll see. And we're only, what, two weeks away from the start of basketball practice? October fourth, like that. October fourth, we uh, practice. We pretty much knew the particulars. Did you have any thoughts of the schedule release? Not really. Um, I mean, I know everybody's upset about the the buy games, but there really wasn't much they could do. NKU BB and T Arena sent them some dates and said these are the dates you have to work with, and they had to find schools that fit those dates, and that is not an easy task because you get one and that eliminates that date so now you're down to these dates and you, i mean it's the puzzle was very difficult to put together for them this year so um you know not fun but i hear they're they're working hard already on 2018-19 and that's already going to be a really fun home slate to open up uh fifth third arena with xavier and ucla coming to town and maybe they can pull off a miracle and they'll get somebody in here big to, to kick off the festivities and open the place. I think that would be uh, that would be a wild scene if that's not a buy game. Oh, yeah. I mean, because you don't see that a lot, especially at a, a home home game, so to speak. I thought the, the league schedule I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know the exact details. But there's a stretch in there, about a six, seven game stretch. It's really be tough. Yeah, it's it's. It's all the the guys you want to play all right in a row. So, you know, it's an opportunity there to really, you know, cement yourself and and go on a run. I know some people didn't like the Thursday, the Saturday turnaround, season ending. Senior night, yeah. nine, nine o'clock at Tulane, followed by a nooner 
at Wichita State, which is really an 11 o'clock game. That's not ideal. So, but, but hey, you know, show up, get the W. I mean, that's kind of how I've always looked at it. Yep, I'm with you. All right, I think that's going to wrap it up. We're, Go ahead. Yep. No, I was just going to say, if we think we're as good as we think we're going to be, then that stuff shouldn't matter. Yep, I agree. That's going to wrap it up. Special thanks to the color commentator, the voice of the Bearcats, Jim Kelly, former Bearcat legend and uh, current Bearcat legend as a broadcaster. Everybody, everybody that's a Bearcat fan listened and enjoyed Jim Kelly's call uh, or Jim Kelly's screaming and, and, and pure joy and elation as Malik Clemens took that to the house and gave the Bearcats the victory bell for the 12th year in a row. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Thanks for tuning in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.